This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Equity mates and the people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. This is general advice only. Please speak to a financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your individual situation. I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is useful. Hello, equity mates, and welcome to episode number four. We're going to kick off straight into some news. Um, I guess the big news of today was that the ASX, Australian Stock Exchange, went down 1.6% or 90.1 basis points, which is the first time in 161 days we've seen the stock market fall over 1%. Now, this is pretty big news. It's a pretty big drop. They say that the reason that it occurred is because of what went on in the U.S., markets overnight. We saw a pretty big drop in the US stocks around about the same in terms of percentage, one and a half percent. And that came from uh, the political atmosphere over there at the moment. Trump and his inaction, um, a lot of chatter about you know, the FBI and getting, getting involved in... Yeah, the chances are his healthcare reforms aren't going to go through. Interest rates went up, which we'll touch on in a little bit. We should explain. So when we say the market fell 1.6%, essentially what that means is that the total value of all the share prices on the market fell 1.6%. Yeah. So whenever yeah, we talk about something falling a percentage, that, that's what it means. So yeah, the heavyweights lost value today yeah so quickly what what does that mean like why should we care well firstly it's an indication that there's a bit of uncertainty in the market at the moment Um, and we've had a great run that might be coming to an end yes and this plays into what a lot of people are starting to say about the market being overvalued and this could be the beginning of what we you know a trend in downhill it's also a good opportunity to start taking a look at some stocks um, that you might be interested that were a bit expensive, but now could be coming a bit cheaper. Yeah, and one day, um, that, that, that doesn't mean there's a trend. It's just one day. Like, the market could go back up tomorrow, yeah. um, but it's definitely something to keep an eye on. Awesome. What else? All right, so some other news. As we just said before, interest rates in America went up. So they went up to 1%. Uh, it's still extremely low. Um, for those, just to give a very basic definition, interest rates are the uh, amount of extra money that you pay on like a loan or money from the bank yeah. and banks get their money from a central bank in America it's the Federal Reserve in Australia it's the RBA the Reserve Bank of Australia um, and they pay interest on those rates so um, the the rate that banks borrow at went up to 1% in America in Australia interest rates stayed flat at 1.5% so why is it a concern 
Or is it a concern if the interest rates never go up? So it's not, it's not a huge concern. It just does change what's happening. So for the last five to eight years, we've had, or eight years, we've had historically low interest rates. In Europe and Japan, they even have negative interest rates. So that's where they're so desperate to get money into the economy, the economy that the central bank pays the banks to borrow money from them, to pump money into the economy and try and stimulate demand. Mm. In Australia and America, we're not at negative interest rates, but we're at historical lows. That's, that's, it's quite bad for the bank's balance sheets. It's tough for banks to make money in such a low um, interest rate environment. But it's great for you know, homeowners who get super cheap mortgages. And what it also does is it um, makes money really cheap to borrow. So you see companies take on a lot of debt in, interest rates environment, in low interest rate environments. And you see investors take out a lot to invest in the market. And that's part of the reason why we have such a bubble in equities or in shares at the moment. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, good to note as well that the uh, Federal Reserve in America have indicated that there are going to be another four interest rate hikes this year. Yeah. Uh, so that's going to be interesting to see what foreign effect that has yeah. for their economy and also for our economy. So I guess just quickly, um, two things that you should worry about with interest rates. First of all, uh, the cost of housing will change as interest rates change. So if any of you there uh, have a mortgage or are looking at getting a mortgage, as the interest rates changes, the price you pay uh, your repayments will change. So yeah. something to keep an eye on. But secondly, for shares, it means that companies' debt will get more expensive to service. So, you know, if they're paying 3% interest rate on their debt and all of a sudden it goes up to 5% interest rate, that's just more money out of their pocket. So debt gets more expensive. Companies with a lot of debt uh, suddenly might struggle to pay that back. Mm. Awesome. Uh, I guess in the news, there's been a lot about Australia's energy crisis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're running out of energy, yeah, so, so they say. Yeah. So what does this mean? So, not too much for investors at the moment. It, it obviously, there will be some winners and losers, and everyone's known that the transition from uh, fossil fuels to renewable energies would produce winners and losers. The obvious losers would be the traditional miners and the traditional power companies. Uh, the winners, obviously, would be uh, the, you know, the renewable energy companies, the Teslas of the world and the like. What these energy plans mean for investors isn't a whole lot these days unless you're invested in some of these renewables companies or you're invested in lithium miners, lithium being the key component in batteries. Don't worry about it too much. We're hoping here at Equitymates that Tesla comes out to Australia and we get we get to see get to get on board. We get to see Elon Musk up close and personal. Um, but at this stage, just something interesting to keep an eye on um, to see the transition yeah. and the winners and losers that emerge from it. Yeah, it's a good little like agriculture, a good little growth industry. Yeah, um, definitely. Going forward. Yeah. So, yeah, keep your eye on, on that. Uh, also, trade-related, uh, there was a talk between Australia and Indonesia in terms of a new trade deal. Yeah. And so this is actually pretty significant for Australia. Um, we're pretty well positioned geographically in the Asian, Asian region. region. Yeah. So this, especially being Australia being an agricultural um, country and it contributing quite significantly to our GDP. Um, this trade deal is quite significant. Australia and Indonesia obviously are extremely close, and a lot of Australian investors are looking at agriculture as the next big boom for Australia. You know, there's talk of Australia becoming the food bowl of Asia, and um, we've seen a huge number of really like big money Australians, you know, the Gina Reinhardt, the Kerry Stokes, the oh, Jerry God, Harveys yeah. of the world, all buying a lot of um, agricultural assets, especially in the north of Australia, which are in great positions to export to Asia. 
What this Australia-Indonesia trade deal means is a little bit more certainty for investors, especially in the cattle industry. So we saw a couple of years ago when Julia Gillard was in power, the ban on live cattle exports. Uh, that wasn't great news for Australian cattle exporters, as you'd imagine. This Australian-Indonesia trade deal, which is just an in-principle in principle agreement at the moment, um, we're hoping to get a trade deal done by the end of the year, it should mean good news for agricultural exporters. We've already seen sugar tariffs drop from 8 to 5%. Tariffs are essentially um, a tax on imports to a country. So Indonesian distributors that want to sell Australian sugar had to pay 8% tax um, to, because it was Australian sugar. Now they only have to pay 5%. The lower the tariff, the better it is for Australian agriculture. So that's another thing to keep an eye on. Uh, keep your ear to the ground about Joko Widodo and Malcolm Turnbull meeting again and have a look at how that affects agricultural stocks. Yeah, very interesting. And to finish news of the week, we have a little fun piece for us. We've found that uh, there's been a huge surge in bee-related theft in New Zealand. Yeah, and that's a strange one. Who wants to steal bees? <laughs> God, that would sting. Yeah, so why does this relate to investing, I guess, is the question. And the, the reason that people are now stealing bees is because... Chinese demand for honey, and especially Manuka honey. So Manuka honey has tripled in value since 2012, and now it goes for $135 a kilo in China. That's unbelievable. It's, it's crazy. Um, New Zealand exports $315 million a year of it to China. So if you're an enterprising thief out there and you're looking to make a quick buck, uh, go find a beehive, I guess. You can invest in Manuka honey as well. Um, last year, it had its run in a big way. So yeah. I would look carefully in investing in that company at the moment. We've seen a lot of... Uh, companies related to Chinese demand go down the gurgler. So yeah. worth having a look just to see how it's uh, trended, but big, be very careful. The big, no honey, the, <laughs> the big honey producer in Australia is uh, Capilano. Yeah. They, they haven't had a great run with their share price recently, but um, they dominate Australia's honey market. So, I mean, they're the one to look at if you are interested in honey. But, um, yeah, not, not the best run of late. Awesome. So moving on from the news, we're going to jump into our Basics 101. We've had some feedback since our last uh, episodes that something that we should discuss and that you guys have wanted us to discuss is how to actually buy a share. And, you know, it did slip our minds for a bit when we thought about how we're going to do these segments. Um, so that's what this is about. How can you buy a share? What, what, what steps are involved in buying a share? Who do you buy it through? Yeah. Does it cost anything? Yeah. Now, forget all those movie images of people on a trading floor yelling into phones and holding their hands up. Uh, we've got the internet now. We don't need to worry about any yeah. of that. We're not the Wolf of Wall Street. I guess the first point that I want to make is it is surprisingly easy to buy stocks. Yeah, there's nothing that... too easy. <laughs> almost too easy. There's, there's nothing really complicated about it. Once you understand the process, once you get your broker or your brokerage platform set up and established with a bit of cash in there, it's as easy as online shopping. Yeah, yeah. So let's let's start at the very beginning, uh, back to very basics. You find a company that you're interested in. Yeah. What's the first thing you do? Well, to buy a stock, I need to know what the company's code is. Yep. So every company has usually a three-letter code attached to them on yep. the ASX. Yep. So for example, if I was to buy want to, or want to buy Commonwealth Bank, it has a code CBA. Yeah, or if you want to buy Australian Agricultural Company, AAC. So if you, if you don't know what the code is, all you need to do is Google um, company name ASX and you'll be able to see it. Very straightforward. Yeah. So once you've got the code, 
you then through your brokerage platform, yep. type in the code. Yep. Now let's just let's explain the brokerage platform here. Okay, so you need to be able to buy your shares through someone. You don't directly go to the company and send them an email or log on to their yeah, website yeah. and or, say, Hey, here's five hundred bucks, I'd like to buy a hundred of your yeah. of your shares. Well you don't find someone who already owns the shares and ask them if you can buy some of their shares. No. What what these brokerage platforms do is do that for you. They yeah. enter the market of buyers and sellers and they take your order and match you with a seller and uh, execute the order for you. You don't need to worry too much about the ins and outs of how that happens. All you need to know is that there are a bunch of different brokerage platforms out there, all with their different pros and cons and um, all with the different prices. Yeah, so the major consideration with brokerage platforms is usually the cost of brokerage. Every time you buy a stock and sell a stock, you are going to have to pay some sort of commission or brokerage fee, dependent on the value of your purchase. So for example, brokerage platforms come from places like Commonwealth Bank, ANZ, uh, Macquarie. Um, All your big four banks offer a brokerage platform. ComBank is ComSec, NAB is NABtrade, ANZ is eTrade, although it's now going to become CMC, and then Westpac have an online trading platform as well. There are a number of other smaller financial firms that offer uh, brokerage platforms. The main thing to look at is their brokerage fees. For example, Comsec charge $19.95 for every transaction that you do. Yeah. Whereas IG share trading charge you $8. Yeah, yeah. So that that's where you've got to be a discerning investor. And because, you know, if we're investing in $500 or $1,000 amounts, the difference between $8 brokerage and $19.95 brokerage, I mean, it's significant and it adds up. It yeah. does. And that's one of the main goals of investing is to keep your frictional costs low. Mm. You don't want to lose money, you know, $20 here, $40 there, $60, yeah. all of a sudden you've spent 200 bucks on brokerage. Yeah, because if you're investing with Comsec and you buy, you know, any amount of shares, you've instantly got to make that brokerage back just to get back to level. So right. um, in saying that, ironically enough, I actually do use Comsec. Uh, I just, for me, it was easier with, I'm a Commonwealth Bank customer. I like being able to instantly transfer money into my investing account, instantly transfer it out um, when I get dividends. Uh, so that convenience is something what attracted me to it. I mean, in hindsight, I don't know if I'd make the same decision again, but now I'm in it. It's- yeah. Interestingly, I also am with Comsec for different reasons to Renners, and we'll discuss those reasons in a later episode. Uh, but I would, yeah, encourage you guys to think strongly about who you brokerage broke through um, purely based on their brokerage costs because if you're not doing high volume trades, uh, it's, it's it really adds up. Yeah. So once you've found your brokerage platform and we encourage you to sign up to as many of these platforms, they're free to sign yeah, up. all free to sign up. You, you don't can, have to trade. You don't have to trade. You can play around. You can start creating watch lists. Yeah. They give you a, a, an amount of research as well. They, they, all, they all have different things that they tout. So like Comsec um, is pretty proud of the advice that it gives. Mm. It's partnered with... Uh, we won't get too into it now, but it's partnered with a group that gives you know like share recommendations. Mm. Um, CMC or IG, you know they're they're pretty bare bones, but you get the cheapest brokerage. So it just depends, you know, what sort of appeals to you, what's most convenient for you. But mm. really, at the end of the day, all of them trade on the same market. Like yep. whether you're trading with CMC or Comsec, the buyers and sellers of the shares that you're going to be uh, buying and selling uh, from and with uh, are going to be the same people. Mm. They're all people trading on the ASX. It doesn't really matter who your broker is. Um, that won't make a difference in terms of the actual price you get or anything like that. 
So I've got my Comsec account. I know that I want to buy Commonwealth Bank with the ASX code CBA. Yep. So I log on, jump on, type in CBA, Comsec pop up and take me to the page of CBA where it's going to show me the current price of the share. Now I know what budget I have. So, so yeah. I can either put in that I want to buy a quantity of shares or I can either tell the system that I want to spend a thousand dollars. And the system will work out either, okay, Bryce, you have a thousand dollars, you can buy X amount of shares, or Bryce, you want to buy a hundred shares, it's going to cost you X amount of dollars. The way that you buy it is you can either buy at a market price, which is set exactly as the name suggests, by the market. You have no real control over the price at which you buy it because it is determined by how many sellers are out there and the demand, which we will discuss later. The other way you can purchase is by setting a market price. So let's say, for example, Commonwealth are at $84.85. I can type in, I want to buy 100 Commonwealth at $84.85 and then that order will sit in there. There is no guarantee that you will buy the stock at $84.85. You will only get those shares if there is someone out there willing to sell 100 CBA shares at $84.85. Or however many shares, or however many shares yeah, yeah. you want, I wanted to buy, will execute. It's also very important to note that if you put an order in, it's not necessarily guaranteed that you will get all of your shares at that price as soon as you click the buy button you still need people there willing to sell. So I could put an order in for a thousand shares at $8 and I might get 800 shares at $8, but the next 200 I might get at $8.02. Yes. So that's just something to be aware of. Don't freak out if you see that on uh, your trading account because that's just the nature of the market and the nature of retail investing at this level. So that's pretty much it in a nutshell. Once you put the order through, it, obviously it will then go into portfolio. These brokerage platforms have a beautiful way of presenting your portfolio to you. They show you your profit in green. They show you how much you've lost in red. <laughs> very easy to determine. Very easy to log on every day and either celebrate your wins or freak out about your losses. So, although and, and although it is easy, I would highly recommend you don't do that. I I don't. Um, it's it's not it's not worth worrying about how much money you don't make. jump on every day. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, oh my god, I made three hundred bucks today. Oh no, I lost four hundred. Yeah. Yeah. Or oh my god, I made three bucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like it, all you'll do is just lose your hair and yeah, just get stressed out about it. Like I, I am a firm believer in you know let let the market run its course, wait it out. Um, if you made if you pick the right stocks or you're backing in the right investment funds, you know over the long term you should do all right. So don't worry about it if you know a week after you bought your first shares they're down each the share price is down a dollar like yeah. you're in it for the long haul this isn't a way to make a quick buck if you want to make a quick buck buy a lottery ticket um, <laughs> just yeah just wait it out so i hope that covers the basics of how to actually buy a stock as we said jump online if you're with Common, commonwealth if you're with one of the big fours it's probably easier easiest just to start with them because it'll be linked to your day-to-day account and you can transfer a bit of money easily if you want and you will already be signed up with them in terms of your identification and that sort of stuff otherwise very simple process for all of them won't take take it very long they're all free a lot of them do have sign up bonuses and that sort of stuff so have a look at that as well but yeah jump on and have a look it's it's not rocket science it's very easy and uh, it's it's definitely something that you're going to need to do if you want to start investing yeah. so well yeah it's the, it's the way that everyone invests or every retail investor you know people like us who just want to dabble um, invest these days yeah. don't don't worry about uh, you know private brokers don't worry about anything like that um, it, 
you seriously don't need to. Once again, technology has come in and just made it super easy for us to get it going. Mm. Um, yeah. So if you have any questions around that, then please hit us up. This came from uh, one of our listeners. They were very interested in uh, understanding one of the, what, this basic 101. Next week, we'll be discussing where to find stocks. Um, or just information. Or just yeah, information yeah. about stocks, which is another question that we've had from some of our listeners. So hit us up. We're very keen to know what you guys think and would like to hear. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. All right. Well, hope you all got something out of that Basics 101. Um, we're going to be bringing you more of them in coming weeks, so make sure you stay tuned. But now, as always, we're going to do our stock of the week. Yeah, the big stock of the week. Yeah, putting our money where our mouth is, yeah. literally. Literally. Uh, <laughs> except we're not, <laughs> eating, we're not eating money. <laughs> no, but we're investing. Oh, making right, it right, public. Right. Yeah, yeah, And if yeah. it's out, we're, we're in trouble. <laughs> Can't swear. I'll beep it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, just leave it. Yeah. So, the stock of the week is called PM Capital Global Opportunities Fund. ASX code PGF. Yeah, the three-letter ASX code. Three-letter ASX code, as we just discussed. So if I want to find that in ComSec, I'll type in PGF and up will pop PM Capital Global Opportunities Fund yeah. and their current price. Now, we're, we're recording this on the 22nd of March and their current share price is 98 cents. So that's the price we're going to lock in uh, on our website. Yeah. Make sure everyone goes check it out. Yeah. Um, we've got our first stock up there, Gateway. It's up six cents, so we're off to a winning start. We're off to fly. <laughs> All right, but back to PGF. So what is it? So it is a listed investment company. Now, if you want to get a bit more understanding about uh, what listed investment companies are, um, listen to episode three of yeah. Equity Mates. Um, we talk a bit about LICs, ETFs, and index funds. Yeah. But essentially, in a nutshell, a listed investment company is essentially a company that takes all of its its money and invests them in shares. And so you can buy this company as you would buy any other company and their business operation is investing in the market as Qantas's business operation is flying planes or Commonwealth Bank's business operation is being a bank. So they make money from the, the, grow, the rise in share price and from dividends and then you as an investor make money um, from the profits that that listed investment company makes. Yeah, they also 
the way we would make money as an investor, not only through the capital growth of our stocks, but fortunately, PGF also pay a little dividend. Yeah. So for every stock that you own or that we own, we get paid a proportion of their profits. Yeah. And that comes to us in the form of cash or it can get uh, reinvested back into some stocks. So it's a nice little bump every six months that they pay us. So something to uh, consider if you were looking at PGF is that they do pay a dividend. Yeah, a lot of a lot of Australian companies do pay a dividend. We'll, we'll do a basic one hundred and one on dividends, what to look for, what they are, why you get them. So I guess the first thing we should talk about when we're talking about this stock is why we chose it. Well, the reason we chose it was because when we first did our interview series, we interviewed Andrew Brown, who was the executive director of East 72, which is a listed investment company. And one of his hot stock tips to us was PGF. Yeah. Now, um, you can listen to that full interview in your uh, podcast provider right now. It should be released. Um, We made it a two-parter because it's a pretty long interview. So check out episodes five and episode six of Equity Mates. Uh, It should be released at the same time as this one. But... Back to the stock. We wanted to say... So there's definitely pride to be taken in doing your own research and picking your own winning stocks. Don't get us wrong. We take a lot of pride in picking our own stocks and, you know, you, you get that little bit of elation when you were right. Yeah. But at the end of the day, investing is a results business. All we worry about is the amount of money that we've made, the amount of our superannuation has increased. It, it doesn't matter how we found those ideas. It doesn't matter who we heard those stock tips from. At the end of the day, all you want to do is just make the right calls and that's all we really care about. Yeah, we're not in competition with anybody. No. So if we're trying to if we're embarrassed about the fact that we've taken a stock pick from someone else or if we're claiming that this stock pick is our own just so we can be all highly pine mighty and egotistic about it, then it, it, we're doing it for the wrong reasons. So yeah. there's nothing bad about uh, taking these tips from other people and and then the next step, though, is to actually look at these stocks that you might get hot tips from other people or read in the newspaper or see online, and then you need to make your own decision about the stock, which is what we have done with PGF. We've taken what Andrew has said, and we've applied it yeah. to our circumstance, and we think that it's, a, it's something that we want to add to our portfolio. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, just as I was saying, no one cares how we found our stocks. No. We can't also blame anyone else. No. If PGF tanks and we lose all our money there's no use turning around and saying well Andrew Brown told us about it so blame him all, all that really matters is that we lost all our money so we like we will take information from anyone anyone and everyone like there's just too much information out there for us to read it all ourselves and we don't want to dedicate that much of our time to trying to read everything as well mm. so we we will take information from everyone, we'll take advice from everyone, but at the end of the day, the decision has to be yours and it has to be ours because we're the ones who, you know, we're investing for our futures and there's no one to blame but yourself. So get as much information as you can from as many sources as you can, but then prosecute it vigorously yourself and come to your own conclusions about it. Which is what we've done with PGF. So a little bit about the company. As Rena said, it's a listed investment company and that means that it has invested funds across the world. It's got an exposure of around 40 international companies, and it also gives you exposure to currency as well, most likely, uh, well, predominantly the US 
currency and the euro. So if you want a bit of exposure, it's a good way to do so. A few notable in, notable industries that they invest in are global brewing, um, domestic banking, uh, gaming, pharmaceuticals, and some service monopolies. So it's a really good way of getting access to a number of industries uh, without increasing your exposure. So that's one reason we like PGF. Ren, what's another? Uh, so another reason we like this company is that it's trading below net tangible asset value. Which is what? Now, net tangible asset value, it's an important metric for value investors. Essentially what it means is that when you look at a company and you just look at the tangible assets it holds. So, you know, that's things like it's stock on hand, it's buildings, you know, whatever. Equipment. Yeah, equipment, whatever physical goods it has, uh, what that value is less all of its, you know, debts and other liabilities. So essentially what you're left with is the figure of if this company stopped doing business today and sold everything it owned, what would the investors get back? Yeah. Now, for a listed investment company like this, uh, all, of its net tangi- all of its tangible assets are shares in other companies. So essentially what that means is that you look at the amount of shares it holds based on their current market value and then minus any of its debts and then what you're left with is its net tangible asset value. And then what we've done here is you divide that per share. And so, as we said before, we're buying a share for 98 cents. That's what it's currently trading at. That's its market value. That's its market value. But its net tangible asset value is a dollar and nine cents. Yeah. So what that means is if you wanted to get all the shares that this listed investment company held on the market, you would have to pay a dollar and nine cents a share for those. But if you buy the listed investment company, you get it for 98 cents. So you're essentially saying that based on net tangible asset value of the company, we can buy this company at a discount to yes. what its value yeah, exactly. is. Exactly. Yeah. So the market is valuing it at 98 cents, but we can buy it at a discount yeah. to what the book or yeah. the net tangible asset value. So I guess I guess a good analogy for this would be let's take Qantas, a company that everyone understands, and get rid of all of you know the intangible assets. That's like their trademark, their intellectual property, their goodwill. Get rid of all of that, strip that all away. Let's say they have a hundred million dollars worth of planes, and they own these planes. They're physical, and that's all the assets they have. A hundred million dollars worth of planes. They have ten million dollars in debt, and so you subtract that. That means their net tangible asset value is ninety million dollars. Because if the company stopped operation tomorrow, they just stopped flying, stopped taking passengers, and they sold all those planes, then they paid off the debt, what would be left is $90 million to be distributed to shareholders. Now, let's say that they had 10 10 million shares, and so if you divide the $90 million in in net tangible assets by the 10 million shares, that means net tangible assets per share is $9. Yeah. Now, if that if Qantas is trading at $8, that means you can pay $8 to get a share in Qantas, and if they folded tomorrow, you would get $9 back. So essentially, you're getting a discount on what the company's worth. And so that's a really important metric for value investors to look at a company and see if they can get a discount. One thing to remember or to consider with net tangible asset value and comparing it to the market value is that there's still no guarantee that your share price will reach Oh, absolutely. Um, the yeah, net yeah. tangible asset value. Because so we might sit back and see that, okay, so net tangible asset is $1.28 per share uh, and, and we can buy it for $0.90 cents and think that's a great bargain. Let's jump in. I'm going to make X amount of money when the stock goes up. That's not how it works. It's just a really good way for us to value a company so that we can make a much more informed decision about what we're willing to pay for that company. So just keep that in mind. So that's, that's one reason we like it. 
But this is a probably impo- an important point to stress that most listed investment companies trade below their net tangible asset value. So that's not a that's not enough of a reason alone to like it. Um, now the reason most of them trade below their net tangible asset value is that you have no you have no say as a shareholder over when they sell the shares. So it's all good and well to say right now we pay ninety eight cents a share and we get a dollar and nine a dollar nine worth of value back. But we have no say when they sell those shares. So if the market tanks, the share, the net tangible asset value will go down and we as investors can't be like, sell and give us the money. So the other reason and the really important reason we like the shares is because we like the, the people running the fund. Yeah, management is very important when it comes to buying into listed investment companies because at the end of the day, you're putting your money in the trust that the people running the show are one smarter than you are and have more expertise and knowledge than what you have in investing and two that they can then allocate your capital in ways that are going to maximize the return hopefully above what the market can do um so you need to look quite closely at the management and how they run the company both both in terms of uh, distribution of uh, capital and uh, profits and dividend payments and also in terms of their investment strategy a lot of these listed investment companies hold different uh, investment strategies because it's their way of selling themselves to the market so that they can get your money in so if you are a value-based investor then obviously we suggest trying to find listed investment companies that hold the same philosophy so that you can at least understand you know what drives them to um, purchase stock and companies there's a, you know there's growth based um, uh, there's small cap, large cap, index, that sort of stuff. So yeah. Yeah, have a look at the management and their style is, is something. Yeah. And that's and, and that's why we like PGF. Yeah, and go on their websites, you know, they have they'll always have like investor presentations. A lot of them will do monthly reports or at least quarterly or half yearly reports. So you can get a heap of information on their philosophy philosophies. A lot of them will talk about some of the stocks they hold and some of the ones that they made money on. Um, obviously take it with a grain of salt like they they put though that information up there uh, a lot of it up there to sell you on their funds but it's a really good starting point to learn about them their philosophies and their ideas now the reason we like Paul Moore in particular is because he has a really strong track record as a value investor um, he, his whole philosophy is trying to find undervalued companies and buy as much of them as he can before the market realizes their value that's something that we think has, has a lot of merit as mm. an investing strategy. Mm. Now, the, the one caveat is you do need to be up for the long-term ride. Yeah. Like, value investing isn't a strategy that's going to pay off by the end of the year. No. Well, he's, he's said on the website that if you were to invest directly into their fund, then they suggest that it's a minimum seven-year holding period. Mm. So that just gives you an idea that if you were to invest in these guys at market level, then you're not... You shouldn't be expecting huge returns within 12, 24, 36 months. This, this style of investing and investing in these companies is a very long-term investment strategy. And right back at the start of this whole podcast series, I said that I had started my investing with uh, a company called BKI, which is a listing investment company. I still hold them today, almost 10 years later, and they have been one of my best performers because over time, they do do well. Yeah. So... That's PGF in a nutshell. Yeah. Have a look online. Also, it's a we, we chose this because it's a, a good way to introduce the idea of listed investment companies and uh, the concept of net tangible assets. So have a bit of a read online. Jump on to our website as well. There's a bit of a glossary and we'll put some info up about PGF. But uh, yeah, think about what you might think your investing style would be 
and uh, try and have a play around with some companies that sort of follow that investment style as well. It's a really good way of learning about what stocks these sort of companies look for and it can give you an idea of some stocks to sort of start researching yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So that almost does it for this episode of Equity Mate. Yeah. Before we go, we just want to talk to you about what else we've released alongside this episode. Yeah. And we've referenced it a couple of times throughout the episode today, but we sat down with a really accomplished investor, someone who's uh, worked in investing in London, in New York, and is now based in Sydney, who runs his own listed um, investment company. It's called East 32 Holdings. 72. East 72 Holdings. (laughs) (laughs) Give it it a uh, Google it. Um, He's absolutely crushed the market this year. He's already made 50% returns uh, in this financial year alone. So... He's someone who's really knowledgeable and we really appreciate him giving us the time. Mm. Uh, his name is Andrew Brown. Mm. And what we've done for you all is we've split the interview up into two parts. Uh, the first half of the interview, episode five in your podcast feed, uh, is talks about his investing journey, some advice he would have for new investors. And it's a great way to sort of get some more information for people uh, who are just starting their investing journey and looking to learn. And then episode six in the podcast feed, uh, we uh, have a chat to him about some of the thing, some of his thoughts on the mar- on the Australian market and the international markets currently. He talks about some of the positions he holds, including a massive short position on Apple. So if you own an iPhone um, and you're interested in how Apple's going, uh, an interesting thing to listen to his take on the company and where they're going. Um, but yeah, look, we we hope to bring you more of these episodes in the future where we talk to some accomplished investors who know a lot more than us and can um, break down the world of investing a bit better than us uh, but give it a listen and we really hope you enjoy it yeah it's a great opportunity for all levels level of investors who are listening to the show to at least get something out of it he addresses those that haven't even started and then gives some hot tips for those that are well and truly in he lets us know some of his favorite books he gives us some hot tips of uh, what stocks he has on his radar so yeah, just a fantastic interview. We really encourage you to listen to the whole thing. It should, it will be up at the same time as uh, as this episode. So so uh, yeah, we encourage you to get around it. Also, two things we also want to mention is that we had some feedback come through that a lot of the terminology that we're using is going over some people's heads, which is totally understandable. And so what we've done is we've created a glossary on our website that if you do hear of a term, then most likely we've put it onto our glossary so you can jump on and have a look and have a better understanding of what we're talking about. And if we use a term or you read a term when you're doing your own research that isn't in the glossary, send us a message on Facebook, Twitter, our email, however, get in contact with us and we'll put it up um, and do our best to define it for you. Yeah, so to wrap up episode four, just want to say a massive thanks to everyone as well for giving us some both positive and constructive feedback (laughs) from uh, our launch almost over two weeks ago now. We've had some um, really positive and, as I said, constructive feedback, and it's really given us uh, confidence and motivation to continue forward. So keep that up. We really love knowing that you guys are there behind us. I think we've almost hit 200,000 followers now. (laughs) (laughs) Number one in the iTunes store, so keep us there. (laughs) <laughs> jokes but uh, yeah please subscribe online give us some comments and, some, and rate us as well it um, really helps us and hopefully in the end it will help you guys as well yeah so that's a wrap guys thanks for listening and as we said jump on listen to Andrew Brown episode 5 and 6 and we will talk to you guys soon I will say this about investing everything you do learn is cumulative what I learned at 20 is useful. Equity mates and the people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. This is general advice only. 
please speak to a financial professional to understand how they pertain to your individual situation.